Hello and welcome to another teaching from 119 Ministries. Our ministry believes that the whole Bible is still true and directly related to our lives today. If you would like to learn more about what we believe and teach, please visit us at testeverything.net. We hope you enjoy studying and testing the following teaching. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. How narrow is the gate that we are to enter through? How do we know if we're on the narrow road that leads to life? Let's face it. Everyone who calls themselves a believer thinks they're on the narrow road. But is that it? Does just being a believer in the Messiah put you on the narrow road? Does that even make any sense? It seems that just a few verses farther down, that theory is proven wrong. Consider this, Matthew 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. The people mentioned here in verses 21 through 23 obviously thought that they were believers as they cried out to our Savior, Lord, Lord. And then they even mentioned all the things they did in his name. So then, just being a believer doesn't put you on the narrow road, nor even does performing miracles in his name then what does put one on the narrow road? What does it mean to enter through the narrow gate? Let's not forget that our Messiah said that He is the gate. Consider John chapter 10, verse 7. So Jesus, His Hebrew name Yeshua, again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And two verses later, John chapter 10, verse 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So Yeshua says that he is the gate, the gate that leads to life. Matthew chapter 7, verse 14. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. This only makes sense given that he also said that he is the way, the truth, and the life in John chapter 14, verse 6. So He is the gate. We also know that He is the Word of God, according to John chapter 1, verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So then, the Word, who is Yeshua, is the gate. John chapter 10, verses 7 and 9. So Yeshua again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So then, 
The question then becomes, what is the Word of God? Not by what it may be defined as from you or me, but how it was defined as from John when he penned chapter 1, verse 14. For that is what truly gives us the definition of Yeshua, thus giving us the definition of the gate. The word here used in John 1 is lagos. It's the same word that Yeshua used in the parable of the sower. It's where the seed is referred to as the seed that was planted. Consider Luke chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then to verse 11, Luke chapter 8, 11 through 15. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. This parallels with what James taught, James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, lagos, which is able to save your souls. This parable from Yahweh is all about the word taking root into our lives and producing fruit. This is why James says one verse later, James chapter 1, verse 22, but be doers of the word, lagos, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Interestingly enough, just after Yeshua explains the parable of the sower regarding the word of God, he says what we are to do with the word of God. Compare this five verses later in verse 20. Luke chapter 8, verses 20 through 21. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside, desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Again, just three chapters later, he says virtually the same thing. Consider Luke chapter 11, verses 27 through 28. As he said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. The word for obey here actually means to guard, to keep. If we plant an apple, will an orange tree sprout? Or even a pear tree sprout? Of course not. Plant an apple, get an apple. When the word of God is planted in you, the word of God should come out of you. Many wish to debate the Greek word lagos as to its meaning. 
They argue that it can't mean or even consist of the law of God. However, how can the word lagos that Yeshua tells us to practice and obey be referring to anything other than that of the law as given us in the Old Testament? Consider to what Yeshua equates the word lagos of God. Mark chapter 7, verses 8 through 13. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or his mother, Whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word, lagos, of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. Here we see Yeshua equating the word of God with the commandments of God, and even equating what was written by Moses as the word and lagos of God. Can it be any more plain than this? Let's examine Peter's use of lagos. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. First, we see the same reference as given by Yeshua himself and that of James of it being planted as a seed, then calls it living and enduring. So then, what is the living and enduring word of God? For even the author of Hebrews says, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The next verse in 1 Peter is critical. Why? Because Peter then defines what that living and enduring word of God is. Compare. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 23 and 24. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls. Here we see Peter discussing the lagos of God in verse 23. He defines it by referencing the Hebrew scriptures of Isaiah. What was the word of the Lord to Isaiah? There is no doubt. It was the law. Look again at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 25. But the word of Yahweh stands forever, and this is the word that was preached to you. Again, so we see Peter equating the lagos of God in verse 23 as the rhema of Yahweh in verse 25. Where else do we see the rhema of Yahweh? Consider Romans chapter 10, verse 8. But what does it say? The word rhema is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is, the word rhema of faith that we proclaim. This is Paul quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 14. But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, so that you can do it. So, what is this word that is to be obeyed? Let's continue reading. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15 and 16. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, 
If you obey the commandments of Yahweh your God that I command you today, by loving Yahweh your God, by walking in His ways, by keeping His commandments and His statutes and His rules, then you shall live and multiply, and Yahweh your God will bless you in the land that you're entering to take possession of it. The word that Paul was quoting and proclaiming here in Romans chapter 10 is the law. This happens to be the same word that Peter was proclaiming in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 25, which was equated as the Lagos of God in verse 23. Therefore, making the Lagos of God the law of God, for a further study on these verses in Romans, please see our teaching titled, The Prayer of Salvation. In quick review, it's through the narrow gate that we are to enter, the gate being Yeshua. Yeshua being the word or Lagos of God and the Lagos of God being the law of God. Let us not forget that it is the law of God that Yeshua lived out and exemplified for us. Consider Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And why John said, 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. One who chooses to follow Yeshua will thereby exemplify that choice by following his example in pursuing obedience to the law of God. This is how we show our love for God. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. The sad part about the narrow road is that only a few find it. This means that they are actually looking, but many are looking in the wrong place. Since they are looking, they consider themselves believers, but that which they find and follow is that which is based on man's teachings and traditions and not the eternal word, lagos, rhema, that was shared by Peter, Paul, and even Yeshua himself. And so, if they persist on this path, one day they will hear these words as declared by Yeshua. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 and 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So in verse 13, he says we are to enter through the narrow gate. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. The gate being himself, himself being the word, Lagos of God, and the word of God being the law of God. Then, just 10 verses later in verse 23, we see that those who are workers of lawlessness, not pursuing the law, are not allowed in through the gate. Narrow is the road. The law provides us with guidelines to which we are given to govern our lives, guidelines which the Father has given us out of his divine and eternal wisdom. When we purposely step outside of those guidelines, we are in essence telling God 
that we know better and thus take ourselves off of that narrow road that He has provided. Walking the narrow road does not come without persecution. In fact, the very word used for narrow in Matthew 7 verse 14 actually means to crush, compress, oppress, and even trouble, giving understanding to Paul's words in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, Messiah Yeshua, will be persecuted. It's no wonder that the masses follow the preachers that tickle the ears, and I truly believe that most preachers do so unknowingly. A song I know says it best, everybody wants to get to heaven, but nobody wants to walk the narrow road. The narrow gate, the narrow road. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares Yahweh. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. I will put my law in their minds. Thus, to be on the narrow road, we must be narrow-minded. We hope you have enjoyed this study. And remember, continue to test everything. Shalom. It is because of you, our generous supporters, who make it possible to offer these high-quality teachings completely free of charge. If you feel led to support 119 Ministries so that we can continue this effort, please visit testeverything.net and click on the Support 119 tab. Learn how you can partner with us to take the whole Word of God to the nations.